umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer well clint we uh saw michigan rebound in a big way against rutgers winning 52 to nothing and now we have homecoming in iowa on tap uh what does the uh, s&p plus say about the game coming up well, Bill Connolly came out with his picks today, and right now the numbers uh, all spit out a four-point Michigan advantage and a uh, win probability of about 59%. That's that's down about a touchdown from the preseason. Uh, before the season started, uh, the preseason S&P Plus had Michigan favored by uh, 11 and change, so um, it has moved closer in Iowa's direction, but um, still expecting Michigan to win and to, to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread. Well, how do you feel? Um, I know we were both uh, hurting a little bit after that Wisconsin game. Looking back at the Rutgers game, how do you feel about that looking forward? I was really encouraged, obviously, by the uh, by the success that we saw on the passing game. I think... Uh, all success is good. Um, all Rutgers uh, qualifiers are true and, and apply, but it's still good to uh, to see a, a string of successful plays, especially on offense. And I think even more so with this team this year, that's that's what was missing through the first three games was just any amount of building momentum and rhythm. Um mostly because of the turnovers and then uh, for whatever reason an inability to bounce back once something bad started happening it only seemed to slide and get worse so um it was just good to see uh coming out uh, strong and and building some momentum and, and kind of getting that crescendo into the second half and you know finishing off the shutout having uh seeing some success from the backups on offense touchdown pass first of joe milton's career so uh, it was all good but i think it was especially important uh, for this team to finally build some confidence um in the system and uh, maybe rebuild some confidence in themselves now clint when we were uh, observing the game and and talking about what what's been happening in the last several weeks you had an interesting theory about why we were seeing some of the uh, difficulty on on Michigan's defense. Um, could you share that? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of what Michigan is trying to do on defense is specifically geared towards stopping the problems, you know, addressing the problems that we saw in Columbus last November. I think Michigan uh, wants to be more multiple. They want to uh, to have more defensive fronts, different personnel, and they want to get more speed um, from their outside linebackers because of the consistent matchup problems that uh, were exploited in Don Brown's first, you know, three seasons as the defensive coordinator. I, uh, when you and I were talking about it, I kind of uh, recalled the, the really bad game in Happy Valley uh, against uh, Daquan Barkley's Penn State team. Um, we all knew 
that they wanted to get Saquon Barkley the best match possible. And on that particular defense, um, the slowest coverage athlete that we had was Mike McRae. And they, they were able to manipulate using motions and formations to get Saquon Barkley on a wheel route against Mike McRae, and, and they hit it for a touchdown. It was the same thing we saw. We've seen it repeatedly through throughout Don Brown's tenure, but in uh, in Columbus last November, we saw it repeatedly. We saw Devin Gill on um, Mike Weber, or I don't remember if it was Weber or if it was uh, – the other tailback, but they, they hit that same wheel route against uh, Devin Gill. They repeatedly got um, Brandon Watson matched up in the slot uh, one-on-one. So most of the issues that we've seen on defense have uh, different personnel groupings and different fronts and significant significantly more zone coverage this year, all geared towards addressing some of the things that we've seen the the gap between Ohio State and Michigan so um, what we said on Saturday when we were talking is, is I think that these early season struggles right now are yeah, the cost that has to be paid in order to try to uh, close that gap and, and hopefully eventually be able to take another step forward for the program and beat the Buckeyes and, and challenge for the Big Ten title and and the college football playoff. I think this is there's a method to the madness, at least um, in, in why they, they took one step back to hopefully take two steps forward. Now, another thing that we discussed during the game is while the Michigan offense finally, I think, showed what we'd been hoping to see, you know, that that uh, ethereal speed in space and really put a thumping on Rutgers. Um, I think when when we were observing the offensive line play, I think we agreed that it was more uh, while while the line looked a little better, most of the success was really a factor of Rutgers not exactly putting up the stiffest challenge. So it'll be interesting. Um, you brought up a really good stat uh, about the uh, you know Michigan versus Iowa that the home team has won eight of the last ten meetings. So of course that says something. Uh, you know, uh, talks about how Michigan always plays, seems to play better at home. And uh, the thing that I'll be looking for is that, again, when, when Michigan played Wisconsin, Wisconsin had some outstanding speed. They seem to uh, have gotten really lucky in uh, finding the gaps in the Michigan defense, exploiting the stunts, exploiting where guys had been moved uh, off of the play for the blitz and getting the edge. It'll be interesting to see if Iowa um, can can have some of the same success. Now, I think the the main thing that I see is that Iowa doesn't have near the speed that Wisconsin had it back, but it's still a, a really really good test. Um, how does this game? How does your prediction change from what you were thinking in the preseason? Um, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster to start the season here. I, I expected Michigan to struggle on the road. Uh, early in the season with so much transition against Wisconsin and Madison, but I didn't expect it to be such a poor showing. So obviously you, you and I were way down on uh, season expectations at that point. And then uh, seeing, you know, uh, the defense pitch a shutout and to put over 50 points on offense. I mean, usually when we see Michigan 
score 50-something points, 50 or more uh, in a game, it includes some special plays or maybe a defensive score, but that all of those points were on the offense. So that was another uh, encouraging thing from this last game against Rutgers. So after that kind of little bit of a roller coaster ride through the first four games, I think I'm about, you know, about back to where I felt before the season. Maybe, uh, maybe slightly, you know, slightly a little bit tempered, a little bit down from from where I was before the season. But I still expect Michigan to win this game. And uh, if they put together another really, really strong performance and win by multiple scores, I think uh, I'll be right back into my my preseason feelings. I, I think that it's we were on the steep end of the learning curve here early in the season. So I think uh, we see some more uh, positive gains uh, this week, especially from uh, Shea Patterson and um, and those receivers on offense. Then uh, I don't have any reason to believe that we shouldn't expect to uh, to be right back in the mix for, for the Big Ten East title and, and our first trip to Indianapolis. Now the other big change on offense last week is that Offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis came down from the booth and was on the sideline. Um, seemed to definitely seem to have a lot more fire on the sidelines between him and Harbaugh and him and the players. Uh, you know, he, he mentioned that he really liked being down on the field to be able to talk to the players and look them in the eyes and forcefully make his points and communicate. So it was, uh, it was a nice change. Um, again, it's difficult because... You know, you're playing against Rutgers, which is, you know, probably the weakest team that Michigan's going to see on the schedule this year. But it was still nice to see, you know, especially see Donovan Peoples-Jones out there, Tariq Black, you know, the, the really, you know, Ronnie Bell. I think it's the first time that we really saw them in the formation on the field at the same time at, at near full strength. And you could definitely see that uh, it loosened up things on the defense and gave Shea Patterson some different options. Um, you also mentioned Joe Milton, who looked really, really good. Um, again, we got to temper that. Um, the good news is, is that with Dylan McCaffrey still in concussion protocol, it's nice that to know that we have a, a second option if Shea Patterson has to leave the game for any reason. Um, the other thing I took away from the game was uh, for me, it was the first time that Shea Patterson really looked like himself and comfortable and uh, in control of the offense. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of a, a tweak um, to the game plan to uh, to for Shea's benefit. Uh, number one, looked like they might have taken some of the read option stuff out. Um, you know, maybe that's a temporary thing until Shea feels 100 percent or until they feel like they need the uh, the quarterback run uh, threat, um, perhaps this week against Iowa. But I, those didn't look like true reads to me. It looked like those were all planned gives, and all those passes were uh, more more straight play action and waggle rather than uh, RPOs. So that was one tweak that I think helped put um, Patterson back into his comfort zone. And then the other thing is is uh, they put they moved the pocket and and used. One of Shea's really, uh, one of his really unique strengths, which is throwing on the run. I think, uh, uh, especially compared to, to other quarterbacks, but he really throws accurately and and strongly uh, when he's out on the run. I think I, I commented to you 
on a 20-yard completion to Tariq Black when uh, Shea was rolling out to his left and threw the ball on the run. And, and I, I, I continually, you know, I, it stresses me out when, when offensive coordinators call that because it's such a challenge for a quarterback to throw accurately rolling out to their left. And he put that one right on the, uh, right on the money. So um, they put Shea back into his wheelhouse. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing of, of Gaddis's philosophy is he wants to be personnel driven and he wants to do what the players are best at. And uh, I think we saw that this past week and, and it would be interesting to see um, how, how it evolves from week to week and what else can be added into the uh, game plan um, and, and try to exploit where Michigan may have some advantages over Iowa. Well, one of the other things that uh, I think we'd be remiss is it was nice to see Daxton Hill with, have a really great play on special teams come down and have a big hit in the second quarter. Um, you really get an impression of just his overall speed and some players on the team say that he's one of the fastest players on the team and I think uh, when you saw him go down and cover that punt and and really deliver the big hit it really fired the crowd up and I think showed us a little tidbit of, of something we're going to be seeing more and more over over not only this season but hopefully the coming seasons um, you know back to uh, one of the things I was thinking about Shea Patterson is the play that he really looked back to me, um, in addition to the, to some of the passes, was when he took the ball in and scored the touchdown himself. Um, that it just looked like, uh, you know, he had a little bit of a swagger back that that he had really been missing over the first couple games. So it's nice to see him back at the controls. Um, I think, uh, you know, as as great as Milton has looked and Dylan McCaffrey looked before he got knocked out. Shea Patterson is still our, our best option at quarterback. So it's good to see him healthy and, and coming into his own. It'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how much more the offense gets opened up um, with hopefully all you know our, our primary wide receivers in the game and Shea Patterson having a combination of his health and his confidence and hopefully more of the playbook opening up. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think that's a huge pivotal uh, factor for for Michigan's offensive success, and I think um, our success in offense is really really what's going to be pivotal for for the rest of the season. Um, turnovers and, and lack of success and lack of rhythm have really been the reason that it's been kind of uh, grinding our gears here to start. So if uh, if they can build some momentum and some stability, it definitely. Uh, bears well for for the rest of the season and and Michigan's chances uh through the the real meat their schedule coming up here so we both agree that we're expecting Michigan to have a big game and beat Iowa at homecoming what things will you be looking for what what metrics uh you know what things in the eye test would you be looking for to call this game successful for Michigan other than a win well I think uh I think Iowa's offense uh, is a little bit ahead of Michigan's right now in terms of metrics, uh, especially in the SP+. Um, 
I think they're just a, a nose ahead. And then Michigan's defense is just a nose ahead of, of Iowa's. So where I think – I thought this in the preseason and I've kind of snapped back to it, like I said, is where I think Michigan has an advantage is in special teams. So um, I will be looking for any particular advantage or, or the chance for some big plays um, on special teams in the return game, kick returns and punt returns. Now I'll be looking at the uh, field position metric and see if Michigan can can really make a, a significant difference. Uh, perhaps the punter, um, perhaps Will Hart can pin Iowa back uh, inside the ten more often, um, or or perhaps uh, it comes down to kickers and field goal attempts, or or maybe some long field goals where we can make uh you know where we can score from closer to the forty yard range than than Iowa can. So where I think Michigan has the, the, the statistical advantage, um, at least the greatest advantage in this game is in special teams. So I think uh, Iowa is a little bit stronger on offense, but I, uh, but Michigan's a little stronger on defense. I think all of those end up being a wash. I think the difference would be in special teams and field position. What I'm going to be looking for is what happens on both sides of, of the line, meaning the offense and defensive line. I'm going to look for whether Michigan's offensive line can give Shea time to throw downfield on a more consistent basis because I think that our receivers match up well against the Iowa's against Iowa's defense if they have time to get downfield. So, you know, we had talked about whether uh, the offensive line looked good because they were getting better or if they were just going against Rutgers. I'm going to be looking to see if they're actually getting better, not only in the pass protection, but also opening up for whoever is going to be running the ball. Um, you know, we have some question about that. Uh, you know, who exactly is going to get the bulk of the carries, who is healthy. Um, uh, we got word that Zach Charbonnet was going to be back at 100% or near 100% this week. So it'll be interesting to see how the load gets metered out between him and, uh, you know, Michigan's other running backs, you know, especially Christian Turner. So, again, I'm really going to be looking at, you know, what's happening on the offense and defensive line. And even when the defense give, when Michigan's defense gives up yards or gives up plays, um, are the holes significantly smaller than the holes that Wisconsin seemed to find? Because, it, you know, I went back and, and, again, took a look at that tape from a couple weeks ago, and um, there were some monster holes there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, it's going to be a... a... You know, this is going to be the first real Big Ten type Saturday, in my opinion. October, 60 degrees, a little bit of cloud cover. You know, it's going to feel like Michigan and Iowa and, and, and traditional Big Ten football. So uh, it would make sense that it's kind of determined uh, in the trenches as as we would expect. So it makes sense. I think uh, one other thing on the run game and what we saw versus uh, Rutgers was that a lot of the a lot of the short runs um, where Michigan's running backs were getting stopped weren't necessarily poorly blocked by the offensive line as we thought originally. I thought when I rewatched a, a few of those plays the next day, I was rewatching with my kids and and I was trying to watch specifically the the offensive line, wondering why we couldn't run the ball against Rutgers, and we saw a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, plays where Michigan was outnumbered in the box, where they were walking a safety up into the box 
and it was that unblocked safety that that made a lot of the tackles two three four yards into the carry and and I would think that that is more about just having confidence in the offense to beat Rutgers without having to pull out the 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 counter punch to to really punish Rutgers for walking that safety up into the box so um, I was a little bit encouraged by that. It was not um, only, uh, you know, poor performance up front that was hurting the run game. I think it was a little bit of, it's okay, we'll take our four yards of carry and uh, put up 50 points and move on to the next week. So I, I don't necessarily think that Michigan's run game is, is quite as bad as what, uh, you know, 150 yards against Rutgers would, would imply. So this is the week that we'll know a lot more because Iowa's front is, is definitely better. Um, I think they're right now SP plus defense. Uh, they're somewhere right around 20, 20th or 25th. So um, it's a much greater challenge for that offensive line this week. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.